we're not effectively selling fitness equipment, we're selling fitness. People want to be fit. They want fun, effective, convenient fitness experiences from their home, and that's what we provide them, and nobody else provides them. So we're kind of a category of one um, when you think about where we're taking our business. John, thank you so much for joining us here today. I've been getting to know your company from the vantage point of a bike in my basement. And what I've experienced is the Peloton encompasses way more than just this bike. You've got the classes, you've got instructors, you do have the equipment, you've got Peloton shoes, you've got the app, you've got data. As you prepare for an IPO, how do you describe what sets Peloton apart? I would say the biggest thing is that we are a global technology uh, platform for streaming great instructor-led group fitness classes into your home. <clears throat> so you think about the bike, you think about uh, our bike, the Peloton bike, you think about the Peloton Tread, which is also allows you to take the boot camp classes from home, and then you think about Peloton Digital, where you could do it on your bike or your tread. But it is, to your point, the vertical integration, the hardware, the software, the media, the retail stores, and then the logistics of getting all of this into your home, set up, um, happy customers in a bespoke way that all in total uh, creates a pretty big moat, I would say. Any of those that you could pull out and still be the same Peloton, or is it required that all of them be there? I know you're a student of business like I am. We have a, a metric called Net Promoter Score, NPS, at Peloton that we track like a lot of uh, modern companies. And we believe we're going to be the first company with a 100 Net Promoter Score because we care about the retail touch points, the delivery touch points, the member experience after the um, purchase touch points. And then the media coming to you, as you know, Dan, is our media. Uh, it's our instructors. We, we are touching you throughout your entire customer journey, and we're trying to delight you at every phase. So when you have competitors looking to see this vertical integration, which is what gets you that high NPS, and a competitor comes around and says, that's great, They're gonna, their costs are too high, I'm gonna do just one piece of this and win. How do you defend against that? Well, uh, I don't believe we're open, uh, our flank is open to a low cost competitor because we have the scale now and because we are uh, moving upstream and controlling more of our, uh, of our supply chain through tight relationships with our contract manufacturers. Because we don't sell through channel or through wholesalers, we are going direct to consumer, as you know. So the opportunity for us to keep the cost low to the, um, to the consumer are optimized, whereas I don't think somebody could come in and do a piece of it and find a better product or that you could have an inferior experience for a lower price. I've seen a stat recently that you control about 8% of the gym equipment industry, up from nothing in 2014. Oh, wow. What's your goal? Do you want 90%, 100% of it? We're not uh, focused on the gym equipment opportunity at all. Um, a weird, fun statistic um, to, your, to your question is four out of five Peloton bike buyers were not in the market for fitness equipment. So we're not effectively selling fitness equipment, we're selling fitness. People want to be fit. They want fun, effective, convenient fitness experiences from their home, and that's what we provide them, and nobody else provides them. So we're kind of a category of one um, when you think about where we're taking our business. Your early years of, of trying to find investors and customers was a difficult process. Would you talk about that? Yeah, in my mind's eye, it was a guaranteed success. Logistics was kind of an asterisk, but we had to do it somehow. You had to deliver these bikes to 40,000 zip codes around the country and then globally. So you have to figure out logistics in some way, whether it's in-house or through a partnership. And there's, it's logistical heavy, as you can imagine. Dan, as you know, a lot of venture capitalists have a no hardware policy 
And there'd been some um, hardware companies that had struggled that were cool at one point and then were no longer cool or were no longer good businesses. So people uh, would um, benchmark us as a hardware company. And it's like, no, 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 we're a media company. The business model is subscription digital content. So it's a better business model. It's not susceptible to the ups and downs of a traditional hardware company. And you don't have the hardware uh, business model arbitraging the delta between you know, uh, bomb and uh, consumer price. But uh, it, was, it was very hard. I, I always saw it. Um, obviously, that's why I was dogged and continuing to um, no after no to continue to try and raise the money. But uh, I will say the consumers did see it. As soon as we put um, the headphones on somebody with a prototype screen and a prototype bike, an off-the-shelf bike and an off-the-shelf screen, and we'd stream in a cheesy um, class from literally behind the wall. It was immersive. It was as fun, if not better, because you have the best seat in the house. You have the best instructor in New York City, now the, some of the best instructors in the world. And so as soon as people could taste the dog food, they loved the dog food. So we knew we had something. It was just a matter of getting the capital to keep it going. While this was going on, you were in your early 40s. You had a family. Most people think about tech entrepreneurs. Or the story we we're told about tech entrepreneurs is, you know, just out of college, little to lose, a lot to gain, can risk everything here. As you were trying to convince these investors to back your company, you also had a family you had to worry about. Your career was on the line. How were you able to justify keeping moving forward when you knew the costs were so high? And I think a lot of the venture capitalists were saying, this guy's not 26, he's not 28. Um, is he willing to sleep under his desk and, and get this thing off the ground? Maybe he's a little long in the tooth. Maybe he doesn't look like other entrepreneurs. And I think that might have been a little headwind. I thought it was going to be an asset that I kind of had a little bit more gravitas and a little more experience. And I think the venture capitalists were thinking, this guy's you know over the hill and maybe not going to succeed because he's past his prime from an entrepreneur perspective. But who knows? It was trying. That's crazy. Your experience ends up counting against you but um, I, I was dogged and uh, we knew we had something. We got enough um, support from our own little world as we built it that we were pretty sure that these guys weren't seeing it properly. How many employees do you have now? 2,000. How do you think about building uh, corporate culture? I hope they say it's the best place to work in the world and it's the best place they've ever worked. Um, we work very hard to try and um, create the best place to work with the best culture. You'd think if you're an engineer, it's the best tech stack, it's the best progressive HR, mission-driven culture, the right kind bars, the right IPAs on tap, the right air on chair, um, the right architecture of the office, uh, the, the right leadership, the right category, the right pre-IPO currency, the right growth, the right growth in your career, in your own uh, you know, career opportunities and the right growth of the company, the profile of the company. And I will say, Dan, you hear these things in order to work to win in the marketplace, you must first win in the workplace. I think that's more true today than ever. Your instructors are have huge social personas. For sure. They get endorsements, they're followed. How do you make sure that they are staying with Peloton versus jumping to a competitor and taking their followers with them? Yeah, it's something we also obsess about. Um, let me give you the cavalier answer. Um, there's nowhere else to go. Um, Peloton is a category of one. These people are training millions of people um, a month um, globally. So um, they can't jump to a competitor, really. We are crazy committed to making sure that these people stay here for the next 
you know, decade or more. Um, we pay three or four X better than the studio down the street. We have, again, the pre-IPO currency where people are going to make good money. We allow them to build their career and their brand globally where they're teaching millions of people. But uh, more than anything, Dan, I would say we treat them incredibly well. I've, I've seen a quote from you that, where you said that you never attend a meeting where you can send someone else who can represent your, your point of view. Is that the way that you manage? I do. I'm a student of leadership. And, and one time I heard uh, Mark Zuckerberg talk about how he, the first, I think, four or 5,000 people that came to Facebook, he personally interviewed. I'm the exact opposite. I, <laughs> I interview almost nobody um, because you run your department and I trust you to build a great team. And the way Peloton is being built right now is very autonomously, um, where we hire incredibly talented people and we um, kind of point them in the right direction and get out of their way. Um, the why that works right now is we're doing so much. We're still growing more than 100% year on year. And uh, we need to divide and conquer. It's, it's kind of necessity is the mother invention. A lot of companies after an IPO find that the company's different, that it's there's a lot of money now around. Uh, employee growth sometimes happens a lot faster. What are you doing to put into place efforts to make sure that the company stays the way you want it to stay? I'm glad you're asking these questions, Dan, because this is the number one thing that I care about. We have a world-class VP of HR, a VP of people, um, Amy Stoll, who is a 10 out of 10 and has crushed it for the past four or five years, uh, building us from, I think, 60 people to 2,000 people. I recently, William, my partner, uh, the president, and I recently talked to her and said, do you mind if we bring in somebody who is a chief people officer who has taken a company from 2,000 to 20,000 and maintained a world-class startup uh, fun uh, culture. And she said, I don't mind, I've never done that, let's go find somebody. So she checked her ego and was fine with being layered in a sense um, because she's so committed to what we're doing. And she and I are now, uh, the three of us with William, are going to look for the best chief people officer in the world who has taken a company from 2000, 20,000 without any degradation of this, of this fun startup culture, which I care deeply about, Dan, it's your question. Yes, I want it to stay the same. And we're going to find somebody who's done it. And I'll tell you, there's five or 10 people in the world who have done it. You think about the great companies, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Netflix that have scaled in, in that sense and maintained culture. I will say some of them, some of the great companies that you and I study are no longer that and have gotten too big and, and are, you hear about rest and vest and some cultures that just don't have that hunger and that dynamicism and that familial feel and the stuff that, that makes Peloton great today. I am nervous that we're gonna lose it in three or four years, especially as if we transition into the public market. So it is one of the biggest things that I'm focused on right now. Talked about check your ego and keeping that hunger. While I was um, reading up on Peloton, I thought, one of the most interesting stories was that the board asked you to step down. They wanted to replace you at one point. At least twice the board was looking to move. <laughs> um, it was a rocky road, Dan. Um, it was mostly related to capital and some opportunistic things and some egos. And it's just, I've, I've learned a lot. I mean, it's uh, it's been a journey. And and um, I, uh, I'm happy to report now the board is incredibly supportive. And um, uh, I love our board today. Um, we have a fantastically supportive board. You talk about the democratization of fitness. Sure. When you have such a, an expensive equipment, um, how are you going to make sure this gets into the hands of everyone? We're trying to be uh, platform agnostic with our content. So any screen you have in your home could be a place to take a yoga class or take a Peloton boot camp class. 
or take a, a Peloton cycling class. So if you have a, a treadmill in your basement, let's say you bought a five, $500 treadmill 10 years ago, you can transform that treadmill into a Peloton bootcamp class onto your 60 inch television screen by flipping it up to in any number of ways to get that content onto your screen. And that in that way, you don't have to pay for our, our, uh, our hardware, our bike or our treadmill um, with just the digital platforms. And you don't mind if five years down the line, this half of your users are coming just from the app and they don't have the equipment. You're agnostic on whether they are using the, the benefits of the, all the vertical integration you've done? 100%. I, I, I love it, Dan. Um, I actually would love that scenario. We are seeing that a large number of people who, end up, who, who um, experience, who taste the content on digital first, end up buying our bike or end up buying our tread because you get, you know, your wife gets addicted to your old cheesy spin bike in your basement. Um, and taking our classes and here comes your anniversary and you're like, honey, I upgraded you. Here's the Peloton bike. It's going to be the best gift she ever receives because it is it is a dramatically better hardware platform. Would you talk a little bit about career advice? What do you, when people come to you and they say, hey, I want to either start my own company or I want to succeed wildly at Peloton, is there something you typically tell them? My biggest advice is to find a category that you enjoy whether it's uh, real estate or um, consumer goods or retail or fitness or fashion or pick, a, pick something that you're interested in and go work at a great company. Get five or 10 years of experience understanding the industry from, uh, from a great platform. The people who say at 22 years old, I'm gonna go be an entrepreneur, you know, God bless them, good luck to them, but um, at least for my own children, I'm gonna say get some experience and learn something at a great company where um, there's plenty of learning to be had. When you are hiring, are there skills that you're looking for in particular that you think people don't spend enough time developing? There is a mantra I heard at one point that I've stuck with is hire specialists, promote generalists. In order to succeed at Peloton, I look for those people that are the micro leaders that are carrying the torch on all the other, on all the agendas that I care about, the entrepreneurship, the fun, the supportive, great culture. And uh, those are the people that rise up Peloton, I believe.